You never know what's inside an alligator. That's what Mississippi natives John Hamilton and Shane Smith discovered last month. After opening up a large gator to harvest it for meat, they discovered Native American artifacts, ancient ones at that. The 13-foot-long, 750-pound reptile was captured in a lake just north of Vicksburg, Mississippi. Animal experts estimate it would take somewhere between 80 and 100 years for an alligator to grow so large. How did it find and eat artifacts from thousands of years ago? No one really knows. And this is where the story gets even stranger. The massive gator was found in the Deep South, but the material in the artifacts is originally from the Great Lakes. It's a historical mystery that may never be solved. History can fade. It can be lost or unclear. But one historical fact is certain. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Welcome to Haven Today, here on the first Monday of October. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're starting a new series today called Your God, My God. There are love stories, and then there are Love stories. Engaged to Mr. Darcy. No, you are joking. Still loves me, and we are engaged. Don't cry, sharp girl. Don't cry. And the dreams that you I wanted it to be you. I wanted it to be you so bad. From Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice to Tom Hanks' You Got Mail, our culture is saturated with stories of men and women falling in love in most unusual ways. Well, this week, I want to share with you one of the greatest love stories in all the Bible. And even though it does contain some romance between a man and a woman, it's a story that ultimately leads us to the greatest of a faithful God who sent his son as the Messiah to rescue his people. Well, I'm excited to share the story of Ruth with you this week. The pastor at the church I attend has been preaching about it on Sundays, and my wife Janet has been going through the book in her women's Bible study. So it's been something we've been talking about around our house, and it's gotten into my heart. And I really want to deepen your heart as well. And what a story it is. Rebellion and famine, sickness and death, kindness and love. And better than a fictional novel, this story really happened and leads to King David and ultimately King Jesus. So stay with me as we begin the book of Ruth together today. Now, just before we open with our first song, I want to remind you that Haven Today exists to point people to the great story found in Jesus. And we can only do that with your help. So, as a thank you for your gift to the ministry, I want to send you another great story that leads to the greatest story called The Case for Christ. It follows the conversion of a hard-nosed journalist, Lee Strobel, who was bent on proving Christianity wrong, but at the end, bowing his knee to Jesus. It's entertaining and encouraging to watch. Even more, it's a great DVD to share with skeptical family and friends. I know it'll help you start genuine conversations about Jesus. So after this program here on Monday, why don't you call us and make a generous gift 
and we'll send you a copy of the DVD, The Case for Christ. And let us know if you'd like to make an extra gift to send a copy to a skeptical friend or family member. Our number to call after the program, 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or watch more from the movie and make your gift on our website at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And now I want us to open with a song sung for us, I think you'll recognize it, by Delirious and Darlene Check.
We've had Darlene Check on the program in the past. There she was singing with Delirious. I could sing of your love forever here on this Haven today. I'm Charles Morris, and thanks for joining me here on Monday. There was a problem in Israel. The king was disobedient to God, and so the Lord had rejected him. Ever since Joshua died, the people had been looking for another leader like him. His name, Joshua, means Savior, of course. But who would save them? Who would deliver them out of the hands of their sworn enemies, the Philistines? They thought Saul would do it. This tall, handsome, strong Benjamite looked the part. But the people of Israel wanted a king like all the other nations around them. And that's what they got in Saul. And Saul was not the answer. So Yahweh sent his prophet Samuel to the city of Bethlehem and the family of a man named Jesse. And why? Because God had chosen one of his sons to be king. The Lord told Samuel that people look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And then in came Jesse's youngest son, David. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and appointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. So there was a king after God's own heart, David. But how did he get there? Was he like Melchizedek, appearing on the scene from nowhere without any explanation? No, David had a family history, and it's our history too. We are the people of God. And so what happens in this story is important for us. At the end of Ruth, chapter 4, we read these words. Boaz, the father of Obed, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David. This is the story we will look at this week, the story of Ruth and Boaz, the grandparents of King David. But before that, this is the story of a faithful God, Yahweh, who saved his children and sent them a Messiah, Jesus Christ, the son of David. What you and I are going to see came from a friend of mine who preached out of Ruth a few weeks ago. David Short's given me permission to share this with you. In fact, my wife Janet is in a Bible study right now in the book of Ruth. And we've been talking about this story at our house for several days. And what a story it is. Rebellion and famine, sickness and death, kindness and love. The book of Ruth really has everything you would want in a compelling tale. It needs to be a movie, in fact. But it isn't just another good story. We are the people of God. But without this story, you and I would have no Savior to believe in. In fact, maybe we could say that what we read in this book is the gospel, according to Ruth. And isn't that the way our Lord works? Again and again in Scripture, we see that God works through the simple, the unimpressive, and the unexpected. Oftentimes, new seminary students read through Ruth when they first learn the Hebrew language. Why? Because the biblical Hebrew in this book is pretty simple and straightforward. And so is the story itself in a lot of ways. Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz are the three main characters of the story, and they lived in dark times. 
You and I may understand these three figures more now than we did a couple of years back. COVID, economic turmoil, war, political unrest, even natural disasters. We are living in dark times too, aren't we? But what a relief it is to ponder the book of Ruth. This is not a story about war or pandemics or scandal. Instead, it tells us about one ordinary family with normal concerns and problems in their day-to-day lives. And through it all, God advances his plan to send Jesus Christ to save his people. Here at Haven Today, we love to tell the great story that's all about Jesus. And without Ruth, that story would be incomplete. A short, simple, four-chapter book with the most beautiful message imaginable. But we must start at the beginning, like with all stories. The things we read about in the book of Ruth happened at a specific time in a particular place. And the Bible tells us exactly what that time and place were. Ancient Israel, during the rule of the judges, and those were dark times. Maybe you've heard the term judges cycle before. It refers to what you and I read about in the book of Judges, next to the book of Ruth. The people of Israel would sin against Yahweh. They would commit idolatry again. Then God would send a foreign power to invade and oppress them, which would make the people repent one more time and cry out to God for deliverance. The Lord would hear their prayers, and he would send a deliverer, a judge, or we could say a savior, and the people would be rescued from that foreign invading army. But then the judge would die, and the cycle started all over again. And what are the last words of this depressing book? In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Sounds a little like today. That was the situation for Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. Ruth 1.1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. A famine was a sign of God's curse back then. This story opens in the middle of a judge cycle, and the idolatrous people of God are being disciplined. Maybe you and I can understand famine a little better nowadays. I don't know about you, but I never expected to see empty grocery store shelves in my lifetime. But then COVID hit, and food shortages quickly became a reality of life, even in North America. But what they experienced back then was even worse than that. I've been to Israel a number of times. It's a wonderful place to travel. I loved seeing so many sites mentioned in the Bible, in the stories of Abraham and David and Jesus himself. But Israel can also be hot and dry. And they didn't have a modern irrigation system back then. So if there were no rain, the crops failed. And they would quickly run into some very serious problems. And apparently that's what happened. So Elimelech took his wife Naomi and their two sons to Moab. Moab! Can you imagine? The sworn enemies of God's people. The place where their god was Chemish, who demanded child sacrifice. Maybe we don't want to even finish this story, because how could this possibly have a happy ending? And then Elimelech, the dad, died. And then his two sons, who had both taken Moabite wives, they also died. 
And so this family had experienced incredible, almost unbelievable suffering. They've quickly gone from fullness to emptiness. And that's one of the beautiful things about this story. It shows us that our God still works in the daily circumstances of our lives, even if we feel that his purpose is hidden from us, especially when we're in situations in life that are bitter and difficult, painful and unexplainable. So this story quickly moves Naomi to center stage. She is a woman without hope, without a future, no security. In that time and place, a widow without living sons would have been essentially helpless, no protection, very little income, if any. Family was the safety net of the day, and her family was dead and gone. But in Ruth 1.6, for the very first time, we're introduced to the providence of God. The Lord had provided food for his people. They had repented and turned back to him and he had answered their prayers. So Naomi planned to go home, and then something surprising happened. Her daughter-in-law, Ruth the Moabitess, wanted to go with her. Ruth's words to Naomi are some of the most beautiful in all of Scripture. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. And now listen to me now. Your people will be my people. And this is where we're getting the title of our series this week. Your God will become my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. What a conversion. Ruth was claiming the promises of God to his people and declaring that the Lord, Yahweh, God, was her Lord, Yahweh, God. And so chapter 1 ends at a new beginning. Naomi and Ruth were in Bethlehem, the house of bread, and the barley harvest was just getting underway. And through this, God would move in an almost unbelievable way. Through Ruth would come David, the king after God's own heart, who would deliver the people from their enemies. And from David would come Jesus, the Messiah, and he would save his people from their sins. And so Ruth would be saved by her descendant, her great, 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 great grandson, Jesus Christ. What a Lord she served. And he is the same God that you and I can worship today. Join me the rest of this week as we see more about who he is and what he's done for us, all in Jesus Christ.
Sovereign Grace Music, I will glory in my Redeemer on a haven today called your God, my God. We just looked at the beginning of the book of Ruth, Elimelech, Naomi, and their sons setting out to find bread because they were hungry. It's interesting how they had to leave Bethlehem, the house of bread, to go find bread. But as you'll see this week, the story ultimately ends up pointing us all to the living bread. In some ways, this reminds me of Lee Strobel's conversion story. A man with no bread, going on a journey. Of course, he was only seeing what he could see until that moment when the living bread, Jesus, changed his life forever. I want to send you this true story called The Case for Christ for your gift to Haven Today. I think you'll be encouraged by this movie as you watch Lee's spiritual journey in meeting Jesus. But don't miss the unique opportunity this movie can give you to talk about Jesus with skeptical friends and family. Invite them over. Why not order a pizza? Enjoy the movie, pop some corn, and ask the Lord to open doors to talk about faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't you call us right now? We ask for your generosity, but also ask for a copy of the Case for Christ DVD. You need to call us right now at 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or let us know if you'd like to send another copy to someone you love and care about. We can do that for your generous gift, and we'll ship it out directly to them. And you can also give by visiting our website at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And while you're there, watch the movie trailer and check out the extended interview that I did with Lee on our Great Stories podcast. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for meeting up with me today, inviting you to come back and join me tomorrow, when again we'll be in the Gospel of Ruth, sharing together the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. From the outside looking inside, the kinds of things that Christians care about and do might seem pointless. Going to a church or reading an ancient book, eating bread and drinking wine or grape juice on Sunday mornings, praying and spending time in meditation, all of these things might cause an outsider to say, what is the point? But when Mary poured expensive perfume all over Jesus' feet, even his disciples were confused. What a waste, they thought. What's the point? Couldn't that perfume be sold to serve the poor? Jesus said, leave her alone. It was for his burial. Devotion to Christ might look silly to some, but a life poured out for his glory is never a waste of time. Let Anchor Devotional help you spend more time in God's Word. Visit GetAnchor.com.